Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. This week, we're going to be talking a lot of shit about Newcastle. Right, guys? Can we talk shit about Arsenal, too? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We definitely could talk shit about Arsenal. Listen, I was at work today. Mondays... I was telling my I was telling my dad today. He was asking me oh, how was work. I told him, "Don't ever ask me on a Monday. My answer is going to be the same every single Monday." But today was a special day. Yep. <laughs> I was Sheffield lucky enough United. to catch the second half. Oh God, I love it. Overlapping center backs. Just kind of beautiful. Fucking... David Luiz is a blue through and through. I'm telling you. He's doing everything <laughs> yeah, in his power it... to knock Arsenal out of Champions League. <laughs> gotta love it oh, but yeah, in, in the famous words of olivier Giroud, thank you arsenal because now we're officially in the top four yeah, yeah that, that's the yeah, best part about that's it another for thing sure. too we're, not, we're only only like what two goals in the back and goal differential for the uh, i think one yep against or no 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 three three is it lester yeah. in third yeah. lester's in Lester, third vice differential third. yep and that's fair enough they've been the third best team in the league this year but who would have thought? So Lampard far. with the ban transfers, we're sitting fourth in the Premier League right now. I'm like that is just way, way, way above my expectations. I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, FIFA is anyone like. else here? <laughs> FIFA like I know all of us are going to win the Premier League in our manager mode. So <laughs> by the way, uh, maybe already maybe, did already did. Maybe real life uh, Chelsea is underachieving a little bit according to our standards. <laughs> But uh, let let's get into this uh this Newcastle match. Why why don't we? You guys want to? Uh, so I'm gonna let me let me start off by going over the starting eleven. So first of all, Rudiger, Conte, and Emerson all were out with injury. Uh, we manned the uh, setup with the four three three formation: Kepa in goal, Alonso, Zuma, Tomori, uh, and Dave in the back line. Barkley, Jorginho, Mason Mount in the midfield, Cho, Tammy, and William front three. So right off the bat, what are your guys' initial thoughts on the starting eleven? Any surprises, Andreas? I'll start off with you. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see. For me, it was we all knew that Barkley was going to start this week, both because he played well for England and the fact that. The rest of our midfielding options are quite not 100%. So, yeah, the only surprise to me for this week was probably that Aspie got the nod ahead of Reese James. I just thought that this could be a, a nice chance to let him get his Premier League start against a very defensive Newcastle. But, you know, I, I think the rest of the 11 picked itself. So no no real surprises for me. Um. We kind of knew going in that we were like hobbling on one leg, right? So not not super surprising. Um, it didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch the game live. I know I'm a terrible person. Mm. Um, my boys at a game, but anyways, uh, I thought it was interesting that we went four two three one, um, and played with a natural was, number ten. It was a four three three actually. So up, like up until what, the Pulisic, when Pulisic uh, came yeah. on, yeah. What, what, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Until Pulisic came on, right. Yeah, but I, I actually like the way we looked with a 4-3-3 where we just have three incredibly dynamic wingers that can shift and, and, and switch positions constantly. Like, that's a that's a pain in the ass to defend if you're Newcastle. And I don't think it's a co- – I know we'll get into it later. I just don't think it's a coincidence that Pulisic came on 
and just absolutely lit the game on fire because it seemed like the the one thing we needed in this match was like another nifty winger that could just get in between the lines and just just wreak havoc and that's exactly what happened it was great and uh i kind of want to bounce off of what andreas was talking about i'm kind of skipping ahead a bit but we had a question from at chad p edm he says hey guys good win this week do you think that james will get sorry james will start getting more time this season or do you think it's more likely next year will be his time dave has been fine but i still think we could use him on the left and get rj out there alonzo gives me the heebie-jeebies so uh <laughs> i know he said heebie-jeebies why'd you say it like that i know he said heebie-jeebies but i like heebie-jeebies better but so uh uh andreas i know you're the one you you were uh, hoping that reese james would get a run out this week but what do you think you think this is going to be the season where we're going to see a couple a couple more matches with him playing or are we gonna have to wait until next year until he's fully unleashed uh, i think it's a matter of the fact he hasn't been healthy right so he has had zero chance to get the ball rolling I fully expect him to start one of the next two matches because we do play IX midweek and then we have the, the Premier League match against Burnley. So I, I truly think that he's going to be a good rotation option. I'm not quite sure if he will outright bench Aspie just yet. That might take till next season. So I, I think he'll get a decent amount of, of games this season. I don't think we'll have to wait that long. Wow, who would have thought? Dave is actually a good footballer, huh? Isn't that crazy? I hope all of Twitter is listening to this podcast because Dave has actually <laughs> been pretty decent as of late. All cool. of Twitter, couple, a.k.a. like – A couple million listeners? That's awesome. A couple million listeners, imagine. <laughs> Sheesh, man. If we do this podcast for another 35 years, we, we might have won't a even million be anywhere total. close to that. We'll probably have a million total listens. <laughs> Barely an impact. Non-Polisic like. Anyways. Wow. Um, Nice. No, but no, but on the real, I think uh, I, I think Reese James is at a disadvantage compared to the other youngsters on the squad because I think he's in that position where he has someone that's established as Dave. I mean, Dave has been in and around our team for what the better part of almost a, how long has he been at Chelsea? Is this eight years now? Since twenty, he came to your house after, the, after yeah, the, after yeah. the Champions League. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's the best seven million pounds we've ever spent. But besides that, you know, this is a guy that's very well established in the squad. And it's a position where we never really have an issue with injuries because Dave is just he's very durable like that. So it's going to be hard for Reese James to get in, especially in the big matches. Whereas, you know, at the center back position, we got two key injuries. So, I mean, immediately you get Tomori got an opportunity early on in the season, grabbed it by the horns. And now, you know, Zuma didn't start the season too shaky. And now we're seeing him get playing time and actually play pretty well as of late. He hasn't really put a foot wrong lately. So, I mean, we're starting to see these little, I don't want to say rivalries, but just uh, competitive uh, people competing for spots, basically. And it, and it's good to see. And I think that's a big reason why, you know, our, our quality of play has been so high as of late. And I think now that we're adding Reese James into the equation, now he's going to start battling with Dave. I mean, that's, that's going to be fun to watch. Um, and it also gives us another option in terms of versatility. Dave could play at center back. I don't know why we have to shift him out to the left. I don't, I don't get the hate with Marcus Alonso right now either. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I think this season he's been exceptional. I mean, obviously like 
after this match, he was, he was the only person to score, and he scored the game winner for us. Uh, so that's one thing. But it was a vintage move, the like left, with Alonzo the, on the end of something on the left. I yeah. mean, his left foot. I've said I said this so many times, but his left foot belongs in a museum. It's it's fantastic. But I mean, he he's been, yeah. I, I don't get I don't get the hate either. I I, I mean, I think people who are hating on him haven't watched him this season. Because they're yeah. they're used to, to what he was last season. I mean, two years ago, no one would be saying that he was amazing for us. Last season, mm-hmm. off year, and I think this season he's he's not quite at the level that that he was two seasons ago. But he hasn't been like when I'm watching. When, usually, when I watch matches, I notice him way more because of all these mistakes that he's making. But now, like it, it just, I, you know, he's not making the same mistakes as he was before. So. I, I don't see the hate, but I mean, obviously I'd like to have Emerson back. Um, he, he, he was really good before, um, the injury trouble, but, um, yeah. again, I'm not, I'm not worried having Marcos Alonso out there week after week, honestly, at this point. Okay. Se- serious question. I mean, since we're on the topic of Alonso anyways, I know we kind of veered away from Reese James, but to be fair, we haven't really seen much of him. So <laughs> the question I mean, ha- was about, it was about him as well. So yeah. He <laughs> so, was, okay. He was the heebie-jeebies. So wh- when it comes down to Marcus Alonso, when Emerson comes back, do you just throw Emerson back in the starting 11? Because I don't. I keep playing Alonso. I mean, he's in form. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's – I have the same – I have the same uh, quarrel going on in my manager mode because <laughs> – I mean, as much as I he's actually better on FIFA than Emerson. Yeah, is, I know. I, know. Yeah. I always play Emerson, and then I always get these texts from him saying, "Hey, boss, uh, I think I should be getting a lot more, st- you know, start starts out there." But I mean, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, you're kind of." So right. I think it's not, it's not, it's not like you know Emerson every week. It's going to be something that's going to be you know Frank's going to have to switch off. Obviously, when we're going to have a lot more midweek matches, they're going to have to each play a, a match a week. You know, I mean, switch off. So well, well, there's enough matches to go around, exactly. but I'm talking about at like if there's one thing we know about Marcus Alonso from being Chelsea fans and from watching him for the last three plus years, it's that when this guy goes on a hot streak, you keep playing him until you run him to the ground. I think definitely, so, yeah. You gotta milk the hell out of his form because when he gets hot, I mean, he's arguably one of our hottest players. When this guy heats up, he'll go on a run of three or four matches where he'll contribute to like a goal every other match. Like he he'll just be insane. He'll play out of his skin. You know what? Let let's uh hold off on Marcus Alonso for now. We'll get back to, into him, uh, back into him. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to go to another quick question, really quickly before, or not really a question, but shout out from Ron to the the Chelsea FC media team for the awesome story that they did for the game, uh, the crossword puzzle with nicknames for everyone as the starting lineup, uh. Notably, one of them were was Ross Barkley as John Cena and Kovacic as coming on for Ross Barkley. There are some really, really <laughs> good ones. Uh, I think you, you can find awesome. it. You can find it on Andreas probably posted it on his Twitter at some point or he'll retweet it or something. Right. I don't want to put you on the I'm, spot. I'm, but... I'm working. I'm working <laughs> real hard for Kovacic just to change to hashtag Kova crew. So hopefully <laughs> by Next time they do a crossword puzzle, we can get that going. Everyone tweet to the Chelsea uh, Twitter page to see if we can get that on for the next time. Um, Everybody tweet to Josh Hart, man. How I know. many more tweets we're, do we have to put we're out? We're going to get him eventually because it's every week. It's every week. He has to have seen it 
at least once. And I don't think there's other people doing this, like requesting to get on the podcast this way. But For Josh Hart specifically. Exactly. Yeah. One of these days. One of these days. Yeah. Well, so let, let's let's get into the bad. There isn't too much bad to really to be going around this match, but which is a good thing. So we can just keep this part short. Zach, I know you didn't watch the match, but do you what 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 was the bad of it? Uh, to be honest, I didn't, I, I watched it yesterday in its entirety. So, you know, okay. I, obviously I didn't see it live, but to be honest with you, I didn't really see anything that was too bad. I think the worst thing I saw, I mean, okay, I know we were kissing Alonzo's ass, <laughs> but, but St. Maximin, by the way, who is a hell of a player. Like, I know he has like this whole ego issue and he wears like Gucci headbands and training and shit, but I mean, he looks like quite a player, but he had Alonzo uh it was right it was right next to the shed on the far corner and uh and and he sat him down on his ass like like he did like a quick little jink move it was about like oh i would say around the 80th minute and literally sat marcus alonso down on all fours it was it was insane it, it got me to even go like ooh, like a it was like a really dirty crossover in nba but other than that i mean what was really bad about this game i mean the fact that conte was missing didn't really hurt us too much. I think the way Newcastle, I think, I think, I, I think Steve Bruce really fucked this one up because the fact that we didn't have Conte really gave him the opportunity to get at us and maybe nick a goal and possibly walk away with a result, but he didn't, and and, and he st- and he kept playing this. God, it was so bland. It was just so boring to watch Newcastle. Like the only good player out there was Saint Maximin. Other than that. I don't think there was any bad on Chelsea's part. I think the bad was just watching Newcastle play. Harsh. Andreas, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if I, I'm given the choice, I'm always going to talk about Barkley, but yeah, he wasn't <laughs> too bad anyway. I think the if you want to nit- nitpick, Mount didn't have the greatest game, but I mean, he kind of thrives in – in pressuring teams that are trying to possess it out the back and that sort of thing. And Newcastle wasn't doing much with the ball to begin with. So I just thought that he was kind of a, a ghost in, in the side, but that's, that's I mean, interesting. People have off games. That's interesting. Cause we talked about, you know, Pulisic's impact when he came in at the 10 and the fact that Mount really didn't have too big of an impact on this game. Maybe this is something, an option that we can have in the future when we know teams are going to be difficult to break down possibly bring on Pulisic to play the he, you know he could get around a lot faster than Mount can maybe he's not as good of a footballer but yeah I, I think that just gives us a different option moving forward into the season right is that something that's realistic because we know Mount Mount and Pulisic are both young and I think Pulisic's a bit naive in the press um you know mainly because he's been playing with one of the best pressing teams in Europe for the last God knows how long. So maybe we're starting to see how young and naive he actually is. But with Mount, you know, I'm not saying he has an issue with this, but it could be a potential uh, issue-ish, I guess. But something that he can work on, something that he needs to work on, when teams sit back, how are we going to break them down? How could we be patient for 90 minutes and wait for that one opportunity? You know, so in that case, Frank Frank was really – Frank was really quick to make that change. He made the change immediately. We went 4-2-3-1, and we were immediately on the front foot. I think Pulisic, Pulisic okay, he had the buildup for Cho's goal, right? He, he, played that, he played that ball, or for Alonso's goal. He played the ball into Cho. 
He attracted yep. three defenders, laid it off the Cho. Cho set up Alonso. That was one. He had another one where he probably could have tapped it in the back of the net, but he decided to square it to Tammy. And then he had another one where he was like right in front of goal and just the Brovka made like the announcer made it sound like it was like a worldly save, but really the Brovka was there was no way Pulisic the Brovka just closed down the space too fast for Pulisic to even, you know, have a chance. But those are three key opportunities where he broke down the defense. We could have won this game four nil. You know, yeah, like so th- let's just go ahead and talk about Pulisic then because yeah. <laughs> we're we're gonna just <laughs> jump right to it. Um at High Plains, Morn had actually brought up a question. He asked if Pulisic should be played at the 10 more. Um, uh, I think the answer is simply yes. There are going to be chances where Mount isn't the the quite the profile of the player you need. And, and you're right. If a team is doing this kind of low block, two firm lines of four, maybe even five players to defend Chelsea, you bring in a guy that's freely going to switch positions with either of your wingers because Pulisic is comfortable on both feet and on both wings and he's still pacey to get around them. Yeah, you you have a guy that can run past the forwards, can be wide, can, as we saw in this game with that pass to Tammy that got blocked by Yedlin, can find the sneaky ball. All we need him now to do is is improve his finishing and, and yeah, he'd be a great option at the number 10. I don't think that it's much of a, a downgrade if you pull Mount to, to bring Pulisic in for a solid 30-minute cameo at the number 10. He's done it for the U.S. He's I, I don't want to say he's done it for Dortmund because I would be potentially lying here, but he's played on both wings for Dortmund, and he's played on both wings for the U.S., and he's also played on both wings already for Chelsea. So he's a, adding he's him to the number 10, in, I don't... He plays in a three. I mean, so Berhalter was setting us up in a three at the gold in a midfield three at the Gold Cup, and Pulisic was playing the most advanced role out of the three. So you know, so, like yeah. the, the options are totally there. My my main concern with you know Pulisic playing the ten is like I don't have a problem with him playing the ten per se, but the real issue is when when RLC comes back, and we so we, if we have a healthy RLC, a healthy Mount, and a healthy Pulisic. Who's going to play the 10? It's definitely not Pulisic in that situation. It, 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 for me, it has to be RLC. I don't but even like, know if you play RLC as the 10. You probably play him as an 8 and, and stick to the 4-3-3. Three, three. I mean, it, it, it all depends on, on what Frank wants to do. And, yeah, I mean, you want to bring the ball, kind of what Kovacic does where he dribbles it out from the back. I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. one of the greatest things that Loftus-Cheek does. So to limit him to the final third is probably doing him a disservice. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's going to get tougher once we have a fully healthy squad, but you, we've seen it with Frank now. We've played the 4-3-3, the 3-4-3, 4-2-3-1. He's going to change things up depending on, for one, who's healthy, uh, who's available, and and who's informed. So we're going to keep seeing these multiple looks. Are we at that point in our Chelsea – or sorry, Sam. Are we at that point of the season where as Chelsea fans we're looking at the squad and we're starting to see – like the squad's starting to fill itself in now. We got Cho back. We got Reese James back. You know, once Rudiger and Christensen come back, we'll really only be missing RLC for the most part. But I think we're – I think at least for me, I'm getting to that point where I look at the squad and I'm thinking I literally love every single player on this team. How are they all going to get on the field together? (laughs) It's a great (laughs) problem to have, Zach. I mean, like, I I have the same feeling, but 
I don't know. I have a quick question also. I mean, this I think this was the first time that we saw Cho on the left side. Am I? Am I? I don't know. If, I think that is right. And I think no. He, I think he played on the. Didn't he play on the left uh, before the international break? Yeah, know. he definitely did. He did. Yeah, I know. Okay, he did. but yeah. what what are your guys' thoughts? Because I think, I mean, obviously he he had a, he really did have a spectacular game, and uh, I'm just gonna jump into it real quick. Like read off his stats: one assist, eighty uh, percent pass completion, six chances created, five key dribbles, three out of four dribbles completed, four recoveries. So like, you know, him coming off the left side, I feel like is is less because. Right now, in this point of his career, I think he's more of a threat as a as a creator for other people. I mean, when I just read these stats right here, you know, like that that his his skills and dribbling and his ability to, you know, make the defense just you know just focus on him is really he has really easy chances to make goal opportunities for other people. But you know, his scoring ability at this point of his career is not as good as you know as a William, obviously. Or even I think a Pulisic is a better goal Have scorer. Have you seen right the F two freestylers video, Sam? The F two freestylers video? No. Yeah, with Cho, they made it like a year or two ago, and they did this finishing drill with him, where back to goal, take a touch around the defender, you know, smack it into the back of the net. He was literally hitting upper V every single time, but and it was just clinical. I look. I hope it's the thing there. for me. I kind of I, – I understand what you're saying about Cho, and I think I think he's versatile. I think he could play basically anywhere across a front three, and I think at, at some point he'll, he'll even be good enough to play at the nine. But I think the thing with Cho is that he's, an, he's more of an inside forward than a natural winger. I think he likes to play on the inside. He prefers it, and I think that's why Frank has had him out on the left. I mean what is he, the first 18-year – I think he's the third youngest player, right? to uh, get three assists in three consecutive Premier League games. But, uh, Someone fact check me. True. Andres, you usually know those stats. <laughs> I'll look at Opta <laughs> Joe's Twitter. He probably tweeted that. I'm going to – I think I think I saw it on Skaka. But anyways, like it's, it's just a matter of where he likes to play. I don't think isolating him out on a wing where, you know, the closest player to him is 15 or 20 yards away is good. is good for him. I, th- I think he does better in tighter spaces. He's agile enough. I don't think he's lost a step. We've talked about the way he's transformed his body. I think he's more built now to play on the inside. He's a little bulkier. He's more muscular, but he's just as athletic. I mean, w- what does that tell you? I think he's I, making that I mean, shift to play more on the inside. I think he's going to stay at the left wing. I think that that's where he played for the academy. That's, that's what I, I mean. mean. If, it wasn't, if it wasn't for Hazard, he would have been playing there last season. Yeah. I think that... His strong foot is his right foot, so when you play on the left, he can cut inside um, and then put set himself up for his right foot. I, I agree with Sam that his finishing touch isn't there right now because he has had the chances to where you think, oh, he's going to put this away, and he has it. But maybe that's what he rusty. Pulling is yeah, yeah, just it's, it's, it's more rust. Just fine. I think that that's literally it, just – what it feels like to be in front of goal and shooting is the one thing that is kind of missing. And and just like Tammy, once he gets his first one, he's going to keep me. I don't want to out of the left. I think that and 
can all play on the rights. And we should probably just let Callum Hudson-Odoi make this position his now because we also know that his potential is probably the highest out of any of our players on the roster. So I found a stat, and uh, it's actually Callum Hudson-Odoi is the second youngest player in Premier League history to assist in three consecutive Premier League games. Mm. 18 years, 346 days. Can I guess who the youngest one is? Uh, is it Michael yeah. Owen? Is it Michael Owen? It is Michael Owen. Nice. I looked up the tweet, too, I have to admit. Nice. <laughs> so, that was a, a very impressive. You were impressed, right? <laughs> I think, Andres, I think there's some truth to what you're saying with, you know, like he has to make this position his own. Frank's not a dumbass. He knows that if 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 any of these guys are going to make it, it's probably him. You know, granted that he stays injury free from here on out. And I I think it's a matter of okay, where do you want to play, and we'll, and we'll give you this whole season. Just you'll have thirty eight games or what you know whatever to make that position yours. Here's yeah. your chance. You know I I I do agree with you guys, and that that's like the exact point I was trying to get to when I asked this question, like. What is more important, focusing on right now and playing him in his strongest position or playing him in a position where he can build on those skills and, you know, the things that we envision him to be one day? And I think that you guys are right, like putting him in the position right now to develop that and get comfortable playing on the left side and playing more inside as well, being able to cut in on that right and be able to to score, you know, create scoring opportunities for himself. Uh, at at a young age is is really invaluable for sure. Um, it's interesting because mm-hmm. that's it. It kind of reminds me. It draws a parallel between like Lampard, the difference between Lampard and Sari, where you got Sari who was more of a okay, I'm gonna put you here because you're a great passer, and that's all you're gonna do playing here, and you're not gonna do anything else, but keep the ball ticking, right? As opposed to Lampard, who is I mean, Jorginho is obviously playing the same position. But he's liberated now. He's not, you know, stuck to these passing patterns. He doesn't only have to pass sideways. He can make runs forward. He can clip balls over the top. And I think it goes the same all the way across the board where, you know, we see our midfielders like Mason Mount. I don't think I've seen a midfielder of ours make a run beyond the striker in all of last season. And Mason Mount does it at least three times a match. And, you know, I think it's a similar I, – I, I think us talking about hudson Adoy is only – looking at it through a microscope when actually Frank is really doing that with all these guys. I think he's tweaking things around and finding where these players fit like Tamori. He's made that left side his own. It's perfect for him because I mean, we're attacking down the left. That's our strong side. You got a guy like Alonzo or Emerson who are not necessarily the paciest. So what do you do? You throw your most athletic center back on that side to cover. And he's made that position his own completely. And, you know, I mean, you could see it all the way across the board. Look what he's doing with Mason Mount. I don't think we're ever going to see Mason Mount play on the left again. I mean, he's just been so good at the number 10, especially now that Cho's back. I just think it's a foregone conclusion. We're probably not going to see that again. But, you know, maybe we'll start seeing it with more players. We talked about Reese James earlier. Pulisic had a really good showing at the 10. You know, maybe that position will be his. Who knows? It's it, This is what I mean. It's so exciting, but like at the same time, I'm talking about Pulisic succeeding at the 10, but where's RLC going to play? Where's Mount going to play? Then, you know, I'm, it there's there's just too – I love this team too much, but, and I Zach, think Sujin's like, question is perfect. But Before you get into that, I just want to like say one quick thing. 
you look at Manchester City from last year, just mm-hmm. the abundance of midfielders and and you know wingers and players like that yeah. that they had, and you you know you'd think wow I would start, you know like the guy that they started and the guy that they had on the bench on my team every <laughs> week, and you know Sonny like, gets injured okay Mares exactly so it's like, you know that, that that's exactly what you need in a team that's gonna you know in the long haul win a Premier League title you know or you know obviously these but can you do that well. with a team this young that that's my point. Are we doing these uh-huh. kids an injustice? Like if 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 this team stays in, if this same roster stays intact for anything longer than a year and a half or two years, and Pulisic and Reese James, and you know possibly even Gahey at that point, Connor Gallagher if he comes back from loan is going to be incredible. Still got Ampadu. Like those guys are still not even going to be able to find game time. Are we doing them a disservice at that point? You well, know what I mean? I mean? At that point, at that point, you sell them, right? Like if they're yeah, going to be complaining about him, they're gone. But Reese James in the next couple of the years will be the starting right back. Oh, for sure, uh, for sure. Striker, we already that. have Abraham starting. You have Cho on the left. Let's say Pulisic on the right. In two, three years' time, Jorginho is no longer a spring chicken. So your midfield might be Conte, Loftus Cheek, and Mount in a four-two-three-one instead of a four-three-three. And then your center backs, I mean, Christensen, Tomori, Rudiger at that point is approaching 30. I, Kovacic. I mean, yeah, Kovacic at this point is probably going to fight with – share time with the other guys in that midfield pivot. So our, if it gets to the point where you're doing them in a disservice, those guys will speak up and they'll ask to be sold. And there's going to be people who are going to want young British talent or – British players in their prime, especially in the Premier League. So either way, it's a win-win. Whether they succeed here or we sell them for a shit ton of money, <laughs> like I, I don't see this ever being a bad case. No, no, it's not a bad case. It's not a bad case in, in terms of the big picture, but I'm thinking like as a fan, like this season has just been so much fun to watch. And you know, like Sam, c- could we just could we just get into Sujin's question? Because yeah, sorry, I just think I didn't it's mean to cut you off. Go perfect. Ahead. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Okay, where is it on the script? I can't. She see just it. asked, "What is this your favorite? Is is the uh, cur- is current Chelsea squad your favorite in a while?" I mean, I don't think I love on. the Champions League bunch as much as I love this bunch. I think I might agree, honestly. I don't know. And, and I don't calm. think that's crazy. It's, it's, it's different. It's just a different feeling. Okay. I love Drugba more than this whole squad combined. <laughs> but but Lampard, I'm talking you know. about uh, no, I'm I'm talking about I feel more connected with this club now than I did ever. You know, in in probably 100%. my whole fans. And and I think that's a big reason why I love this squad so much is because they're going out every match, giving it 110%. There's not an ounce of negativity from top to bottom, and it's it's just been it's just been a joy to watch. A couple it's small stress- quotes from Pulisic, but other than that, nothing. Yeah, well, well, yeah, of course, but you know, there's in the grit, like like case still in point, early days on that on that stage though. Like yeah, we yeah. don't know what outcome of that'll be. Mm-hmm. But but I I mean you look at the way Frank managed a David Luiz situation. Like now that the details of that came out, okay, they sat down man to man. You're not gonna play. If you want your move, we'll respect that. And he's saying the same thing with Giroud now, where he's like, you know, he's a professional and he'll get his games, but you know, why would I bench Tammy? That's basically what he said. 
we'll sit down in January and, you know, we'll talk. I get it. Frank had, Frank had the same. If anyone understands where those guys are coming from, it's Frank. I mean, the guy left Chelsea to go to Man City. Like, let's not forget that. You know, that he understands. You need playing time. You're a footballer. You're in love with the game before the club. Uh, that's something I, I think we could all agree on. But, you know, the way he's managed his squad has just been so stress-free and so – I mean, the media's tried to blow things out of proportion, and it's just – it hasn't happened. And I think the way Frank's managed everything this season and the way we've been playing and just this – the new blood that's come in, it's just – it's breathed life into the club again. And that's why I love this team now more than ever. And I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say I love them more than a Champions League team. No, I think I feel the exact same way. And, and it goes for probably a few other reasons. So the Champions League side, I mean, that was like every other Chelsea season was a mixed bag of emotions. You start the season with Villas Boas. He's benching all of our fan favorites. It takes him getting fired to get to the point of glory, which was the Champions League. And to be completely honest at that point, we bring Roberto Di Matteo, who had been an assistant. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, Di Matteo at that point, I knew he had played for Chelsea. I knew he was a big deal, but he wasn't my legend. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't grow no, up like, oh, yeah, Di Matteo. Like, so... He's Especially a from now. an American perspective. Right, right. Yeah. And, and he's a legend to me now because he won the Champions League. But in the time of, it, it was a different feeling. Once he brought the guys back, it was great. But let's be real. We literally were like grinding results. Like it wasn't, we should have beat this team 4-0. It was like, oh, we were lucky to beat this team 1-0. Mm -hmm. So that's that's another thing like with Lampard for one he is my Chelsea legend like this is somebody I've watched since like day one of me following Chelsea he's now the manager that's a fan's dream come true second I've been as a fan you know know that we have a good academy team and we have always wanted them to be brought in that's awesome to see Lampard has also not only brought in new blood but also redesigned and kind of changed the perception on players that we didn't even expect to be on the team this year as in Jorginho who people wanted to be out Kovacic who people were like do not re-sign him he'll be a waste of money and Emerson even Alonso the season Emerson comes in starts the season is probably the best left back we have and then Alonso is playing out of his mind too so yeah this is freaking fantastic like this is what I think all of us wish would happen, but really didn't think could happen, which has only made this just a much more enjoyable experience. I think this, I was, you know, Jad has been on the podcast now once or twice. And, and I texted him and I'm like, man, I'm actually excited week in week out, no matter who we're facing for this Chelsea side. Like I, I feel on cloud nine, even against a tough, tough Ajax team this Wednesday, I'm still just like excited to see what happens. I'm fully aware we're going to hit some bumps in the road at some point, like that 4-0 we started the season with against mm -hmm. United. Like those things are going to come, but that doesn't change the fact that what's happening at Chelsea right now, you can tell is is, you know, a change that's going to last. It's not just this season's fancy flavor of the month or whatever. Like Lampard's going to be here for a while and, and the changes he's made are going to stick around. Everyone is getting a run out. I mean, everyone who we wanted to see 
play this season has played at least once and it's been that's been amazing i mean everything you need to know about this team you just need to watch that goal from from yesterday or from yeah was from yesterday um look at tammy abraham's reaction to that goal he had nothing to do with that goal but still just so passionate and excited about it you know he's a guy who came up through the academy so you know and all these guys also uh came along with him like these guys these are guys who love the club who want to be here and are excited to play for us and that that is probably the most exciting thing about it you know like just a group of young guys who love the club you know like that that that's i think that's like every footballer fan's dream to like have their have their club just i mean have their players love their club you know what well, i mean how many how many times you know since we started this podcast have i said like the bare minimum is maximum effort like yeah, that's, that's the bare the, minimum that's all you have to do for me to for me to tolerate you and not to be just disappointed try your hardest yeah try your hardest we don't have to win every game we don't have to win the league every year i just want to have a team where you know every single week no matter who our opponent is we play at a high intensity and we we, we give it 100 like that's it that's the bare minimum Hey Andreas, thank you so much for putting the script together. But honestly, fuck the format. We're just like, we're going all <laughs> around here. You put you put together a good looking script, but we're throwing it completely out the window right now. But if you guys hadn't noticed, we are in the good portion because we're you know you can tell you can tell by our tone. Yeah, we're we're really happy. Um, obviously this this could change week to week. I mean. We've got a couple. We 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 got a big mid midweek match this week against Ajax. We're gonna get into that a little bit, but um, I mean, let's just go around. Uh, we we talked about Cho, um, Kurt Zuma. He 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 looked pretty solid. I mean, you guys want to just talk he's about? A, he's yeah, a, he he's a he's a good footballer. But but that he is what he is. He's mm-hmm. a good footballer. It's it's uh it's unfortunate because I was Sam you know this I <laughs> fucking hard. loved him I loved him and I remember th- I remember the day he had that knee injury I I, I had tears in my eyes I was so yeah. sad but beside the point you know he's he's one of those guys that's probably gonna be gone at the end of the season and I think we kind of have to come to terms with that um. But it's for the better, and I and I think we could for forty million. I'd turn around and sell them tomorrow. I mean, I think that's a lot of money, and um, you know, I best to him. Like I, I'm kind of emotionally detaching myself from him little by little because I know the inevitable is coming, and I know that eventually he's not going to get that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andres, I mean, what do you think? I I think he's been great lately. But um, definitely, is, is he one of those guys that you have to emotionally detach yourself from too? <laughs> probably a little bit because like you whenever he broke into the scene in that horrid horrid uh was it 2015 season i thought that he was probably our best player and i was like man here he is the heir to the throne the next center back for chelsea <laughs> like we found the guy he and was the most the athletic is, center back i've ever seen oh yeah and, and the thing is is that zuma is never going to be that center back that make things look pretty but he gets them done like just to go off his stats, three recoveries, two interceptions, six aerials, one, one last man tackle, um, only two fouls, three clearances. 
and he had three accurate long balls, which is a part of his game that we never really talk about. So the guy is playing really well. And again, Rudiger is injured. Christensen's injured. He's kind of taken this role of Tamori is the younger guy. While Tamori has been great, he's also been prone to like poor spacing and, and some individual mistakes. And Zuma yeah. has been right there to cover for him. So he had one yeah. in this match, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where do you take out this pair if if they're doing well? Again, we have these good problems in terms of selection right now. But agreed, I think that he's going to be one of the guys that at the end of the season is going to demand football week and every chance get. And he might be the most acid out of our might be willing to let go. I, at the end of the day, I don't want him to, but I do think that he might be out of the guys in the roster, the one that leaves, because for one, he's young, he's about to reach his prime. Two, he's French, so he's going to want to play for France. And if he's not yeah. the number one center back at Chelsea, that means he's not going to get, you know, the chance to do so for France either. So there's there's a lot of things playing playing into effect into into what his future may hold at the club. But for now, I mean, he's been fantastic in, in this run of games. So yeah, it was. I thought he had a fantastic game. Then I think I think we're we're set at the center back position for a couple of years though. So. If if we do end up selling him, we should be fine. Uh, Willian looked very lively as well. I was I was impressed by him. Jorginho, however, was just on another level. Ninety three percent pass completion, fifteen touches, two clearances, ten recoveries. One hundred fifteen. That was a typo on my end. Oh, <laughs> I know. Touches. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. That's definitely yeah, one hundred fifteen touches. <laughs> but uh, Andreas, you want to talk a little bit about Jorginho? This ma- yeah, he. Yeah. I know that like on paper, Cho was the man of the match, but I thought Jorginho just had a extremely balanced all around performance. Obviously, he's doing his thing with with the passing and the possession and, and making you know things meet between defense and offense. But the fact that he had ten recoveries, like you know, Zach talked earlier about how he was just kind of shoehorn, not shoehorn, but forced to just be a one trick pony under sorry when in reality this guy has so much to him he's not the world's greatest athlete but what he doesn't have in athleticism he has in like desire and heart and and that's what makes Jorginho just such a good player to have on your team and and this performance just kind of kind of amassed all those things into a 90 minute performance for me i just think that lampard has changed him into a more well-rounded center mid, and it's been awesome to see that transformation. Zach, anything you want to yeah. add? No, I mean... Beyond what we say I mean, about did, him did week it, after it, week after week. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, didn't he have uh, the game last season where he broke the record for most passes in a Premier League match? Wasn't that against, against Newcastle? Newcastle? Yeah, I think it was against uh, Newcastle. The, wasn't that the very first game of the season <laughs> he probably broke it a bunch of times I or think, one last of the year. first three times but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. it was one of the first he broke it like right after again i remember no yeah. uh look i mean i i've always been a fan of Jorginho's, so you know i'm any praise you want to throw his way i'm gonna agree with but i think the big thing that sticks out to me here is the 10 recoveries right so he's not just sitting behind the ball and orchestrating the attacking part of the game he's also putting in the hard yards and 
he also puts a challenge in too. Like, I don't want to say he has a mean streak, but he has a little bit of nastiness about him when yeah. he does. Like, he makes some naughty challenges every now and then. Like, he gets <laughs> naughty. He, I mean, we can't forget he's Brazilian, right? Brazilian they have that in and them. Italian. Willian, but, Willian does but, that too. But like, they're usually, but I think Jorginho's are usually one step further. It's like, yes, they're nasty, but with a purpose. Tactical. He's tackling yeah. a guy. Yeah. He's tackling the guy that's leading a three on one or three on two counterattack. And yeah, he clipped his ankle on purpose and it's a bad tackle, but it prevented us from getting hit on the counter. So, you know, I think there there's a give and take there. They may come off dirty and, and opponents may hate it, but for us it's oh, a yellow card for Jorginho. Like eventually he'll sit out one game, no problem. We'll throw in Kovacic or Conte or RLC for mm-hmm. one ninety minutes and then he'll be right back. Like He's not going to get a red card. That's the point I'm trying to get at. Like, he knows he's fully in control when he makes those harsh tackles. Very tactically. Um, Let's really quickly, I think we can just finish this off or uh, just talking about the in game sub. So, Kovacic on basically at half, bringing in a calming presence to the midfield after replacing the hectic Barkley, who just, I mean, again, I'm off the Barkley bus. it's, it's trying to make it obvious. Huh? trying to make it the, very the short, obvious. The short bus, right? The short bus. <laughs> uh, and then oh, Pulis- I know that is that is that okay to say? Anyway, so Pulisic, Pulisic, and uh, coming in on the sixty uh, in the sixty first minute. We've already talked about this. Him coming at the ten roll. Um, Dubro- uh, Dubrov, du- what's his name? Dubrovka. Dubrovka saved his one shot. Um. And he also and had. It's, yeah. He, and he also, he, I, I also this, that also reminded me, he missed a sitter against Canada over the week. So, um, yeah, he did. rough stretch for him. Yedlin, the another player who had an appearance that that game, he 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 stole his really fantastic assist with a sliding save. Um, and yeah, I mean, any, is there anything else you guys want to talk about those two guys? Obviously, Kova Crew. Um, that's what Andreas <laughs> wants to say. Um, Always, yeah. Otherwise, uh, we can go into Ron's question, or or do you guys want to? Actually, yeah. Let, let, for, let's wrap up talking about Marcus Alonso because we mentioned him earlier, but uh, I kind of want to just finish this talking point because it is it is kind of strange. So obviously, he had the late he was late goal hero, two shots on target, three accurate long balls, a key pass. So. Bobby Toddy asks, is Alonzo actually bad? Um, I think we already answered that question. No, he's not bad. Um, Dylan Lee, though, asks, I think a better, a, a little bit better phrase question. He <laughs> says, is Alonzo, that's why I wanted to ask that one for a second. Is Alonzo in good form or do you think he has different responsibilities under Lampard? I think that is the right question. Instead of asking if Alonzo is actually Listen, Bobby's, bad. Bobby's definitely being sarcastic. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Um, Zach, you wanna you wanna start it off? What do you think? You think it's it's him in good form or Frank Lampard's, you know, gone to him? No, I I think he's good. <laughs> he's never been a bad. He's never been a bad footballer. <laughs> like that's that's the this is the overarching theme of today's like podcast is marcus alonso was never actually a crap footballer is he a bad wing back 
He's a fanta- He's one of the best swing backs in the world if you play him at <laughs> wing back. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. No, like I I was really worried about him stepping in and playing left back, especially next to someone that's inexperienced like Tamori, and especially when Conte is not playing the six. Like it's almost like a tr- it's it's a triple whammy, right? Mm. And logic would tell you we're gonna get rinsed on the left hand side, but what we're actually seeing is a good footballer adapting the way he plays to accommodate this playing style. Like in a way. He's basically a wing back in the attacking sense. He gets forward still. There are no limitations. I don't think Frank has given him any limitations on the way he's allowed to move in the attacking third. Defensively, I think he's been I think he's been more disciplined. I think he's well aware that he is one of the guys that the team's gonna turn to when the going gets tough. He's one of the experienced players. He's the one that's been there and has won trophies and has played at a high level for, you know. The last three plus years. So I think I think there's an element of that where, you know, I'm a veteran guy. I'm going to step my game up and show these and, and show these guys like wh- this is what it takes. You have to be willing to adapt. And when you get called upon, even if you're not playing a position that you're naturally suited to, you can still put in a job and and, and at least be a stopgap. And I and to be fair to him, I don't think he's I think he's been a little more than a stopgap this year. I, I think, like I said earlier in the show. If it's up to me and Emerson's healthy tomorrow, I play Marcus Alonso. I mean, you've got to play the guy that's in form. Um, I'll take it a little bit differently. I don't think Alonso is a bad player by any means. I think he's just a player with limitations, right? He's not going to be your speedy outside back or your tricky Marcelo style outside back. Alonso is what Alonso is. He is average in terms of pace but he knows where to be to receive a ball and put it in the back of the net and that's probably one of his biggest strengths uh, in his game overall I don't know actually no I do know so he is playing under different responsibilities under Lampard we've we've kind of talked about this before under Sari he was essentially told Sari's tactics were very mechanical you know you pass the ball here you make the run here players are supposed to know where their teammates are at all times not because of familiarity with that player but familiarity with the system so Alonzo was caught in the wrong place often because he always had to make an overlapping run I think under Lampard he's given the freedom to to kind of express himself a little bit more so instead of seeing him always overlapping on the outside, sometimes you see him making the run inside and getting himself into the box, sort of like he did this weekend. So I think Lampard has a little bit tr- more trust in his players' instincts, and that plays to Alonso's strengths rather than, oh, let's just have you storm up and down the sidelines and hope that eventually you get to play a ball and, and put in a perfect cross, which, again, not Alonso's strengths. So, yeah, I think that credit has to go to both Alonzo and Lampard for Lampard for acknowledging that what Alonzo's strengths are, but also Alonzo for putting in the work and and becoming a better left back because he is a wing back by trait, not a natural left back. So I think it's it's a little bit of both Um, good form, obviously, but he is playing differently uh, with different instructions under Lampard. All right, let's move on. Um, 
because we we did spend a lot of time on this match. But uh, Ron, I'm sorry, uh, you I saw that you asked about the the Tammy goal and the Tammy reaction to the goal, and I kind of stole that from you. But uh, credit to Ron for asking about that about how good Cho and his regista was. Every everything that he asked was pretty much the. Did you did you take Ron's question and just format it as our script, Andreas? I I'm curious. That's he literally. <laughs> that's what his question was. Is just everything that we talked about. Um, but uh, Ron's usually ahead of the game. Yeah, Ron. Ron <laughs> is definitely our 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 rep MVP at this point. I have to say. I mean, everyone else has. Wow. Really, I mean, it, it it's a close match. You, and you, I, don't him, I don't want to throw anyone. You just gave under him a new hashtag, man. So I'm picking favorites. I, I know. I, I immediately regretted it after I said it, but god damn it, it's true. Um <laughs> so we got a good que- we got a first time question from at Adele M Z one. E not Adele the singer, it's E D E L. So he asks, should we sell Conte? And I think he's saying that you know, basing it off the fact that we just won five games on the bounds without Conte being very present, if present at all. Uh, is that is that such a ridiculous question to ask? Honestly, at this point, Andreas, I'm sorry for you. It's 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 ridiculous. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come Adele. on, it's, this, this is, is still the first ridiculous. time I, question. Be I nice. know, I know. He's, this guy's I never gonna listen is... again. Oh my god. You never know. Hey, maybe he's like, you know what? I understand your perspective. I think that this is very short sighted. I I think that the last five games we've had were very winnable games, but if the five games we had before were against Manchester City, Tottenham, or, you know, Ajax was in those five games without Conte, we probably would have been like, damn, we could have really used him. So while things are looking great, I don't want, like, people are too quick to forget what Conte brings to the table. It's, what he does is almost irreplaceable to this team. And if we looked this good against, you know, a bottom of the side like Newcastle without Conte, that game on over the weekend could have been a 3-0, 4-0, and you know, Newcastle would have had even less than the 20% of the possession that they did have over the weekend. So it's too early to start thinking that we can think of a Chelsea without Conte. I, I think mm-hmm. it's extremely, extremely short-sighted to think this way because Conte is our best player. And Zach, Zach, I'm just going to skip your answer because I want to keep Adele MZ as a listener and I know whatever you're going to say is going to you can't you're not going to be able to contain it so I'm just going to skip your answer but okay. <laughs> no 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 uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to shit on him <laughs> okay, I'm cool. actually I'm actually I'm, I'm not going to say no listen hear me out hear no, me out shut no. up and hear me out okay? now I'm just really listen. not going to let you answer <laughs> just listen all right okay <laughs> I said it before on the show I think that you know I don't think he's asking the question in a way where he wants to sell Conte just, you know, for the cash out. I think, you know, if we, if we're not going to be competing immediately for uh, the champions league and the premier league in the next by next season, I think he's gone. I think there's a very good chance we could lose him to one of the bigger clubs, the Real Madrid's, the PSG's, the Barcelona's. I, I think it's totally a possibility. How it baffles me that a player that good has never played in a Champions League final. I mean, he's played in every other big major tournament and league. 
but he's never played in a champion. He's never been on a team that's a legitimate Champions League contender, period. So his career just legitimately skyrocketed out of nowhere like three years ago. He's been with us. He's been with us. This season, this season was a perfect opportunity for him to leave, and that, and that's the thing. I mean, this is what brings me back down to earth. Is like if he really was gonna leave, it should have been this summer. We He's have depth at midfield. Life. God bless. Yeah, him. I mean, like, like we easily could have said, okay, we'll get, you know, we'll put 150 million in the bank for Conte, and we'll just play Ampadu all season. You know, like that. That was a possibility. We, right, but I think Conte's. A, a, I mean, it's Conte, right? Like the guy yeah. loves this you club. You don't like, want to lose first, him. Period. We, no, but I mean, like as a person, like he, I don't think he his train of thought is, oh, I need to leave Chelsea after one bad season because, yes, Leicester City brought him to the limelight, but why was it that Chelsea was the one that signed them? Because we were the ones willing to take a risk because mm, people could have easily said that Conte was a one season wonder, like Lester as a whole. Were. No way. He was a stat buster, dude. That season but, at Lester, he, he, but the he price destroyed. we got him, the price we got him for indicates that 30 million. Team, yeah. 30 million saying. for Chelsea is not taking a chance. 30 million for Chelsea is Danny Drinkwater. That's, but that's how come saying. 30 but, <laughs> that's what, but the point is how come nobody else spent the 30 million that's what i'm saying that's the yeah. point i'm trying to say. yeah yeah i'm a, that, i'm agreeing with you andreas people were know. saying i, think, I don't think other teams you know, were trying were, I think, were bidding for listen him. listen listen i'm not saying i'm not saying that we're the you you can't say that we were the only team going after conte that summer that's, we are that's a we low are, price but for some, a guy like some, conte we're but we Chelsea. pay the same amount for danny we're an attractive we're an attractive club sure we're in london we win Premier Leagues like for fun, and sure, then we what, finish at 15. What does Leicester but, City care about that? They're ta- they'll be taking out bids from anyone. Why no, do they I'm care not about talking, that? Yeah. I'm not What's... talking about Leicester City. It's an easy sell for Conte. He just won the title there. You well, don't think got... that they're going to give him the respect of being like, okay, pick uh, where you okay, want to go. Gonna... We'll just get the best price. I think we're, going, Come we're on. not going anywhere. Come but... on. Okay, so let, let, let's uh let's If anything, on. it's a shocking end goal for more. That's what think we're... about that. I'm I think that's saying... what we are all saying. That's <laughs> what all, I'm saying. We're yeah, all if, agreeing, if, Zach. <laughs> if, if, Chelsea, if there was actually are... another <laughs> club going out there, like if you're telling me right. – like we all know what Conte's value is now, but at the time that we got him, he had had – one or yeah one full season of top flight football yes he was a stat buster but he was technically still a risk because he didn't have six seasons of a career in the premier league and it could have been oh people could have i don't know what people were saying like i'm not gonna put myself three years back but it could have been ranieri's system it could have been that you know everything just went right for leicester city yes we underpaid for him but if there was actually all these other big clubs during that moment going after him, it shot like Conte could have said, Oh yeah, I'll go to Barcelona for 30 million. But I don't think that that was there. And that's the point. I, I think Sam and I are trying to drive home that yeah, yeah. yes, he was given the choice to choose, but at that point, Chelsea was still the best of the lot trying to go for him. I think people knew he was, I think people knew he was really good, but I don't think people knew he had potential to be the, arguably the best midfielder in the world. And to this day, people, and to this point, people still don't say that he's the best player. They try to put him in a box of just a DM. And I think that's why, while you're saying that he should be playing in a Champions League final, I think that he's more than happy to be here at a club that appreciates him for everything that he is, not just for the fact that he can make 10 tackles a game. All right, all right. Let's move on because uh, we're running a little long on time. Uh, let's get into the midweek match. 
So we're going to be playing Ajax Champions League matchup at the Johan Cruyff Stadium uh, in Amsterdam. So um, Ajax has been perfect so far to start off this Champions League campaign after having an amazing Champions League campaign last season as well. Uh, I believe they what their goal differential is six to nothing right now, right? Uh, so, so yeah, uh, six goals scored, zero allowed. So I mean they've been they've been on point, and uh, right now we're sitting second. I'm not looking at the table right now, but from what I remember, we're sitting second right now, um, and obviously they're in first. So then this match will determine who will be sitting on top of the table go after the first three matches. So. Uh, this will be a fun match. Um, Zach, you want to start off and uh, kind of talk about this? What you expect to see? This is this is one of those games where I really wish we could have seen Loftus Cheek play because I would have loved to see him and Van de Beek go at it in the midfield. Um, but no, I mean, I'm more excited to watch like like Andres was talking about it earlier. I don't really care how like what the score is. I, it's going to be a fun game. Like, that's the first thought that comes into my mind. I'm not thinking, oh, shit, we could drop points here. I'm thinking this is going to be a blast. I mean, these are two of the most exciting young teams in world football. It's it's a, it's a FIFA nerd's dream, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm very scared, to be just totally honest. Ajax is completely undefeated this season they have yet to lose a match that's ridiculous their goal differential in the league is their league obviously it's the air divis is it the air divis yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's over 20 goals goal differential they are undefeated also in the champions league and we're playing at their stadium which their home fans are pretty a pretty big factor when you go play at at your Cruyff. so i i'm scared i'm also very excited because I think we're going to get to – this is a, a true test of where we're at, comparing ourselves to another team that, you know, prides itself in, in young, dynamic football, like both in terms of players and in style. So it's going to be a good one. I, I think it'll it'll be high-powered. I think that – can we get a result? Yeah. Is it going to be easy? No. We're going to need to play a perfect game to get the three points. So, if the kids want to know what it feels like to rise to the occasion in a European match, I think – doing it there is a perfect place. I mean, the atmosphere that the state, it it just, it's, it's an event when you have a match of that magnitude there, it's an event. It's an occasion, especially for the Ajax fans. That would have probably been one of the, one of the top matches I would have liked to go to if I had the choice this year. That would have been awesome. That would have been like close to the top of my list. Uh, well, what are we thinking in predictions, though? Like, like, what's our guts telling us? Because honestly, like Andres said, I don't know. I'm. I think I think <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, I'm I, I honestly not raising have my no percentages every five seconds. <laughs> I don't know anything about. I, I really don't know what to think about in terms of scoreline, but I just have a feeling we were just talking about Hudson Adoy. And, and his psyche and, and what he needs to do for this team. I really think that he's going to score in this game. I don't know what it is. I think that the he's going to announce he's himself asking, to Europe. Yeah. He's been asking for the limelight. We know he wanted the number 10. He was close to going to Bayern. Like, I think this is it. Like he's, he's in form. He's back to fitness. I think he'll start in the left wing and I think he will score um, 
at least a goal for us on Wednesday. Oh, so you're not going to give me a score line, huh? <laughs> no, I'm avoiding you're gonna, that. You're going like, to have to have the first one, Zach, and then we got to all base ours off yours. All right. 3-3. Three, three. Wow. What? 3-3. Yeah, three, three. I love that. I think it's 3-3. Three, three. That'll, that'll be That's great. what I'm saying. I think it's going to be fun. I just think it's going to be fun. Considering, I think considering. there's going to be a shit ton of goals. Both teams are going to fuck up at the back. I just <laughs> – I, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those matches where – and when you think about it, Ajax hasn't faced a team as good as Chelsea this year, and Chelsea hasn't – faced a team in at least in Europe or outside of, you know, the the Premier League that's this tactically um complex. Like the way Ajax play football is beautiful. P- players are constantly switching position. It's possession first. It's very similar to the way Chelsea plays. High tempo, counter pressing, win the ball high up the pitch, create goal like create shit ton of goal scoring opportunities. You got a bunch of players that basically have the license to roam. I mean, on both sides of the field, it's going to be awesome. And and who would have thought five years ago, while Duzon Tadic was in Southampton doing absolutely nothing, that we would be saying, <laughs> you know, him. him up against Hudson Adoy in a match like this is the marquee matchup because it is. Those are the two best players on the pitch. You know, you. It's it, it, it's insane. I just love the way football works. It's so it, everything comes full circle, except for Tottenham and Arsenal, which is perfectly okay with me. I think I'm going to stick to your prediction three three, considering the yeah. fact that it's us playing. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to be letting in a lot of goals, and we're going to be scoring a lot of goals. Uh, I would love that. Watch it be like a nil nil draw, honestly. <laughs> Uh, but uh 50 50 possession yeah i think i think it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be high scoring i don't don't want to repeat what everyone's been saying but i think that the consensus here is that we're not really concerned about what the final score is gonna be we're just really excited to watch right i think that's consensus Uh, wow what a great time to be chelsea fan where we don't care about winning we just care about enjoying we're enjoying the football this is my point you're in love with the sport before the team if you love the if you love what you're watching you'll love the team i love what i'm watching wow that's really fucking phenomenal Um, yeah i know it is super cheesy uh all right hallmark card anything else you guys want to add before we jump into burnley and wrap up no no okay let's move on so ginger So uh Burnley. So we're gonna be playing at the bridge. Right now they're sitting eighth in the table. Huge surprise. Chelsea have only beaten Burnley twice at home in the Premier League era in in out of five matches total, but still. Three wins, three draws three draws and three losses. Safe to say, who knows what will happen. Uh what are some things to look out for? Andreas, I'll start off with you. Um, well, they're going to be defensive, you know, that's just who they are. I, my God, who is their, their forward right now? Who is just Ashley Barnes on and it. Chris Wood. Yeah. They're just both okay. balling. They're playing out of their minds. Well, there you go. I think it's, 
I think I'm thinking of Barnes, who started the season just in incredible fashion in terms of goal scoring. Uh, I think he has four goals right now. Um, but he, I know he recently got injured, so who knows if he'll get to play. Cross our fingers. Not that I usually preach for injuries, but maybe we don't get to see him this weekend. That'd be nice. He's Diego Costa's best friend. <laughs> God. <laughs> Trippier? Yeah. Did you see what he said about Trippier, yeah. by the way? He calls him Rooney. Oh, <laughs> makes him feel at home. <laughs> oh, my God. Pretty funny. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, obviously, it's Burnley is that typical shithouse, proper Brexit football, right? Like, these are guys are just going to play a 4-4-2, and they're going to work hard, and they're going to defend well, and they're going to try to score on a cross. So, yeah, I mean, I think I that they're the like, yeah, they're the most predictable as to what to expect. It's just a matter of can they implement what they usually do. And honestly, for me, I think that we'll still get the victory, I think, this weekend showed that we can go up against a very defensive uh, setup. It's And the difference is, though, that Newcastle wasn't doing much going forward. I think that Burnley is a little bit more uh, composed on a counterattack. So I, I, I hope we can win. I think we should be able to win. Uh, That's the thing, but... though. They're not, they're not as defensive as they used to be. They've conceded 11 goals in the league this year. So... They're a little more open at the back, but maybe that's a consequence of them getting forward more, like you're saying. I would have loved to only conceded eleven goals this season. That would be awesome. No, but I mean, I mean, for Burnley standards, I mean that that's a team where, I mean, if if they get anybody in the big, it, it, if they get anybody outside of the big six, the likelihood of them scoring more than one goal on them is very low. But. Anyways, I mean, Andre, sorry, I, I cut you off. No, no, you're good. Uh, I think that I'll go ahead and just drop my prediction. I think that we will take care of business and win that match, three to one. Wow, wow. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one nil. Keep it conservative this match. You know, I I said that the midweek match was gonna be a lot of fun, and our squad's really thin right now, guys. I mean, this is. I think this is actually like a very good test for us uh, mentally and physically because it's shithouse Burnley, like Andres said. I'm going to go uh... – no, I have to predict the Chelsea win, right? So, so then I'll go 2-1. <laughs> but I won't be surprised I, if it's a 1-1. I know. I, I, I was, I was going to do 1-1 just because Ashley Barnes is just so annoying. Like, I, like he's, he's always such a – fucking piece of shit isn't he like that's the best way to describe him yeah like if you if, if he's on your team you love him it's like the same thing you said about Jorginho. yeah like he does the stuff that if he's against you know if, 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 if he's against you you hate him but if he's on your team you love you love that kind of stuff but he really is i mean i i, do, I respect him as a player but he is a piece of shit i don't sure. <laughs> he's a piece of shit he should – I mean, I. as far as my memory serves me, I don't think I've seen a match where he's played against Chelsea and hasn't deserved a red card. <laughs> Hashtag respect. Zach. Yeah, fucking Come on. fuck respect. <laughs> All right. Fuck uh, that guy. I think that was it. That wraps it up for today, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Good episode, guys. 
Uh, I don't think so. Um, I mean, Andres, do you have anything you want to add? We have two more Chelsea matches this week. I mean, I'm just a happy camper, man. Yeah. And how about the Astros uh, and the World Series? Oh, yeah. World Series bound. Jose Altuve, if you're from New York, suck it. That 5-5, quote-unquote, second grader (laughs) went yard against Arnoldus Chapman. It's all about the heart, baby. Show some respect, you classless fans. Yeah, World I mean, Series, baby. How, how dare you chant fuck Altuve? Honestly, you, Yankee fans are a different breed. I mean, I know I'm a Dodgers fan, and we have a bad rep, but at least we're not Yankee fans. That's that's all I can say. Facts. <laughs> Zach, baseball, so, huh? <laughs> yeah, I love baseball. So um, for whoever's listening or still listening, uh, make sure you follow us uh, on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. You could also email us, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, uh, same same as our Twitter handle at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, it was a good episode, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, hopefully next time we talk, we'll have two more wins under our belt. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah, it sounds great. Sure, it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were asking the listeners. All right. Sorry. So fuck both of you and keep the blue flag flying high.